0: Look at Psalm 111 if you would, and I'll give you this message. I'll try to get you out by noon like normal. I know I've already taken some time, but I wanted to show you all that, not to, I mean, I'm real careful about it. I prayed over it. I don't want to show you those statistics to say those things because um, I'm being braggadocious. People aren't numbers. They're human beings. But that's what those numbers represent as human beings. And it's exciting, it's encouraging to be a part of a church where something's happening. It's not shrinking, it's growing. Let me just say this while I'm thinking of it, and you're there already, so I'll get started. But I appreciate those of you that have stuck it out at the times when it was shrinking. Because we've had cutbacks before. You know what happens, generally speaking, people attract people, so when people, there's a, there's a vision of success, people come and they're curious, but then when something happens and people leave or don't stay and the church starts to shrink, more and more people just like, they, they run from failure. And some of you saw us go through the ups and the downs over the years, and we'll have more to come. You do understand that. It's just the way it is in life. But you were here for something bigger than just success. Just a movement. You're here for the truth, and that's what's keeping us together. Yeah. Psalm 111 verse 1, "Praise ye, the Lord, for I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Father, we love you this morning, we ask you, please, as we get into this passage, that you'd minister this to our hearts and help us as a church. To be a part of, to recognize, to care about, to focus on the work of the Lord. Pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I'll never forget 2020. All the preachers were talking about 2020 vision. You know, this is our vision for the new year. It's 2020. We have a clear vision and nobody saw 2020 coming. I learned something from that. I have no idea what 2024 holds for us. Next next week's our 16th anniversary, and that's exciting to me, but I, I cannot stand here and tell you we have our best years yet ahead. I would love to say that to you because that's who I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm the kind of guy that just believes in taking the bull by the horns and making it happen. You know what I mean? We have our best years yet ahead. Well, I've learned lived just long enough to tell you 2024 might be the hardest year you've ever been through. Might be a difficult year for us. The ball is rolling, so is the money going out the door and everything's happening behind the scenes right now or getting ready to drill under the thing and connect and get all that stuff going on for the fire suppression system and trying to get that done and all our ducks in a row. So this spring, Lord willing, as soon as the frost laws come off, I want to break ground and put on that addition. and All that stuff's happening. I mean, it's like in the works and I'm standing here like, yeah, I don't know. I hope so. If the Lord wills, 2024 will be an exciting year because when you see that addition done and the change that it makes to this building, when you see the rock pillars and the rock wall we got with the glass going up to the peak and the front porch we're planning on putting on there with the railing and it's going to be beautiful. I mean, the countertops, we had chosen the the least, the most uh, cost effective countertops we could that were nice. And the builder said, hey, come back here. And said, I want you to see all this. This is the granite stuff that we have left over from other jobs. And we're going to try to make sure we find granite countertops for your project for the same price. That's going to be great, ain't it? (laughs) I mean, it's going to be beautiful. But I really, honestly, I I don't know what's going to happen in 2024. I hope it's a great year. But I've learned that literally you can have something statistically completely improbable could hit your home. We have no idea what could go on in Israel and Ukraine and Russia and China and all the rest, Iran, and all the rest. You don't even know what this coming year has to offer. The interest rates are coming down and the housing market should start moving. Yeah, well, there's other guys out there saying we're looking at the bubble popping and a Great Depression coming and God only knows what's going to happen in 2024, but I'm glad I'm not serving an economy and I'm not serving a building and I'm not serving my health and I'm not serving anything. I'm serving God Almighty who knows tomorrow and holds tomorrow and that same God holds my hand and so whatever tomorrow has in store I don't know I do know this according to this passage the psalmist is praising the Lord he says praise ye the Lord folks we have a God who's worthy to be praised he said I will praise the Lord with my whole heart I want you to understand that when I preach, and listen, don't forewarn your visitors when you bring them. I, I, I don't think we have any first-time visitors this morning. I think I recognize all the faces. But when you tell your first-time visitors, now, he's a little crazy, but you kind of like make, they walk in here like, <laughs> just, just let them come and let them feel the room. Do you understand what I mean by that? Let them feel your responses to me. Those of you that know me and know how to take me, and they'll know how to take me by how you know how to take me. Does that make sense? So then when you leave, you need to understand this. If they say, well, he gets a little excited, just understand like, yeah, he does what he does with his whole heart. I believe that we're supposed to praise God with my whole heart. I don't know how to preach halfway. I'm sorry. I hope I never get to where I can. As I get older, I'll slow down. That's just reality. Brother Lynch said to me years ago, he said, Listen, kid, don't set the bar so high when you're young that you can't get over it when you're my age, okay? (laughs) Some good advice I've tried to pay attention to. But I believe in what we do we're supposed to do with our whole heart. Notice where he is when he's doing it with his whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Folks, if you can't come in here and sing those songs with your whole heart, if you can't come in here and pray with your whole heart, if you can't come in here and dive into the text of Scripture that we're looking at with your whole heart, if you can't respond to the preaching of the Word of God here with your whole heart, how are you going to do it Monday through Saturday in the rough world you're living in with the temptations and the struggles and the problems and the distractions hammering you relentlessly all week long? How are you going to do it when you're not here if we don't do it when we get here? Notice the second verse. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. So God has great works. And people that enjoy the works of God seek out those works. In context of verse 1, we're talking about the congregation. Well, the congregation of the upright, the assembly of those trying to serve God, that's what a church is supposed to be. A church is not sticks and bricks. That's a building in which we gather. That's not what the church is. This addition is not the church. We're not growing the church by, by the addition. That, that, that's not how you evaluate a church growing. By the way, you don't even evaluate a church growing by the numbers on the membership list or the numbers of the attendance. Is your church growing? I hope so. Well, how many are you running? Oh, that's a different subject. Church growth is you growing spiritually in Jesus Christ. Church growth is those kids downstairs getting what they need to get. Listen, you need to understand what we're doing here is the work of the Lord. And people that love the Lord want to seek out and have pleasure in the work that God does. You know why we have a nursery? Not because if we don't have a nursery, people won't come. If you haven't met me before, I'd like to introduce myself to you after service. We don't start programs at this church to make people happy and to get people to come through the doors. We have a nursery because it's serving a purpose so that moms can come and sit in church and listen to the preaching without distraction. And the more we have on that nursery list, by the way, we're saying thank you because more of you have jumped on board since the nursery has grown. And we do appreciate what you're doing. You're doing the work of God when you're sitting down there watching somebody else's kid. So that they can sit in church and get fed. And when enough of us do that, what we're doing is serving each other. So that this same individual is not in the nursery every single time. Not ever in church getting fed. Because she's always downstairs in the nursery. No, she gets her opportunity to sit in church. While somebody else is taking a turn. And that's really literally the work of the Lord. What you're doing is enabling me to minister the word of God to them. And to the parents and to the other workers. By being a part of that. Years ago we had somebody in the church. And. I, I, I understand it more as I get older. But she said, I did my time. I got grandkids now. Let the young ladies whose kids are in there serve in the nursery. And that stuck out to me, and I'm not trying to criticize her, but that just stuck out to me like, Lord, help me not to get old like that. Uh, listen, I, I do, I'm not trying to pressure anybody to get in the nursery. We got a great nursery list, and thank you for all that you're doing. And I get it when you get older. Man, it's it's different. You know what I mean? Like, when your house gets quiet, and you got four daughters, and it's just kind of, like, comfortable and relaxing, and, you know, it's like there's there's no testosterone in there but me. We just adopted a dog, and he doesn't have any testosterone either. (laughs) No, seriously, he's a golden doodle. And he's 11. It was my mom's. He needs more attention than she can give. He cuddles, and he takes his paw when you pet him and tries to pet you back. I'm like, this thing should not be male. There are certain dog breeds that should not be male. Do you understand that? This is a male golden doodle. Like, it doesn't fit. And I know scientifically that wouldn't work, but in my head it doesn't fit, okay? You're in a nice, relaxing, calm environment, and you get used to that. And then you get the hustle and bustle of little kids and the noise and all that stuff, and you're like, oh, good night. I get it. I understand. What you're doing is even sometimes sacrificial, but, but it's the work of the Lord. Sunday school teachers, do you know what we're doing down there? And Lord willing, my hope is this spring to start that class for those of you lost kids that not, hopefully you're saved, but you're the lost generation. You're not in youth group and you're not in Sunday school. We want to get those Sunday schools reopened for those kids up to the youth group. You know what the purpose is? They've been doing great sitting in church. And none of you have dropped out. I mean, look at how many kids we got in here that you guys are coming anyways even though they don't have Sunday school. The purpose isn't to entertain the kids. It's the work of the Lord. I'll show you in just a second, but I'm already into my first point. What is the work of the Lord? The work of the Lord is to provide meat for his people. You know what we're trying to do with our Sunday schools from the time they come out of the nursery till the time they go into youth group? We're trying to take them through the Bible, start to finish, three times. That's the program that they have down there. They're not going chapter by chapter through every part of the Bible. They're touching all the highlights and giving them the layout for them to understand all the stories of the Bible and then trying to make spiritual application to them as they go to preach at them to help some of you parents back you up a little bit at home. Apply it to them at their age. There's a purpose for it. It's the work of God. What we want is to plant some things into the minds and hearts of our children. Something powerful, something amazing. Look at verse number five. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. What's the Lord doing? The Lord's work. What is his work? His work is to feed his people. I mean, Dad, isn't that what you're supposed to do? aren't you supposed to go kill it and drag it home? I know that's old school, but you know I don't care. And I could care less if it's politically incorrect. And you all know and understand my wife even works and whatever. I don't care if a woman works. I don't think she has to be home, chained to the stove, barefoot and pregnant in order to be spiritual. And I don't think she's more spiritual. She has 87 kids as opposed to two. But I do know this. I do know according to God, it is your responsibility, sir, To provide for your family. So you're supposed to do what you can to provide for them. Why? Because a father gives his children meat. He puts food on their tables. And guess what mamas do? Mamas make sure they're fed. When you're young and struggling, especially nowadays, and you both have to work, I get it. Not a problem. I'm not saying that you women shouldn't work or that you should be shamed, sir, if your wife is working. What I'm saying is, if you're a slacker sitting around playing video games while she's at work, you need to get right with God. A father provides for his children. You know what the work of God is? The work of God is to give you food for your soul. To give you meat. What did he do in the Old Testament? He gave them manna in the wilderness. He made sure that they got fed when there was no other way for them to get food. He rained it on them out of heaven. God sent you in here this morning to rain some manna out of heaven on you because you're walking around in the wilderness of this world and the work of God is to give you food for your soul. You've got to understand that. Get that deep in your character. Get that deep in your belief system to understand the point of church is to get fed your vision for the next year, preacher? Building programs? Badgering us for money so we don't even have to pull the loan? No. My goal for this year is to make sure that I get with God and that I study His Word and that I feed you what you need to get closer to God. Because that, folks, in this passage is the work of the Lord. He giveth meat unto them that fear Him. God does it through manna, but you know how else God does it? He does it through men. Forgive me if this seems self-serving, but let me just give you the Bible on it so you don't judge me harshly. Go to John chapter 21. John chapter number 21, talking about the work of the Lord this morning, because that's what Bible Believers Church of South Lyon is, folks. It's the work of God. That's how I view it. I don't view it as my church. I'm not harping on you if you say, I go to Brother Reagan's church. You want to know something? People, you know, you get around other churches and whatnot and say, where do you go? I go to Brother Reagan's church. Oh, I heard that they go to your church. And honestly, that to me, in my heart, that actually makes me feel really good. When somebody says, I go to Brother Reagan's church. Brother Reagan's my pastor. That, so I'm not harping on you for saying that. Do you understand the spirit in which I'm saying this? Folks, is not I don't view this as my church. I've had people say that to me. Well, this is our church too. Oh, okay, great. But really, guys, it's the Lord's church. That's how your pastor views this thing. I view you as his work. I don't know how to fix you. I'm struggling to fix myself half the time. I don't know how to fix you look at what he does look at John 21 look at verse 16 he saith unto him again the second time Simon Simon, son of Jonas lovest thou me he saith unto him yea Lord thou knowest that I love thee he saith unto him feed my sheep He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Matthew 20, I think. Mark 12, Luke 10. Matthew 22, Mark 12, Luke 10. Three different times he says the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind might strength and, and different ingredients of those things so the total is soul heart mind heart soul uh, strength whole nine yards that's the first and greatest commandment what's the second the second's like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself yeah. on these hang all the law and the prophets all the commandments are hung on those two things You're supposed to love God. And he says, if you love me, Peter, then what I've called you to do is feed my sheep. The work of God is meat. How does God do that work? Miraculously with manna. What you got in your lap is manna from heaven. It's the word of God brought down from heaven. It's manna for the wilderness. But the weirdest thing in the world is he does it through men. I think that's weird. You got this segment of people, and I'm warning you about this. You got this segment of people out there. Go to Acts chapter 20, please. They don't believe in the local church. You'll notice this when you talk to them. I'll go out on a limb and say it almost 100% of the time. You'll notice this when you talk to them. Every time you get around somebody like that that tries to tell you you don't need a local church and they don't believe in the pastor and if you go to a building that's the mark of the beast or whatever else, every time, watch it, you got an absolute rebel that you're talking to. You've got a maverick that doesn't want any authority or any accountability in their life, but they want to invite you to their living room. Why do you want to teach me if there's a public testimony and a public figure with a ton of accountability over there, and they're doing the job, but you're telling me not to listen to a local church pastor, but you want me to come meet you in the living room so you can indoctrinate me with whatever your agenda is. I'm telling you, folks, you know what? The truth of the matter is, they're right to an extent. All churches have got flaws and faults. Do you really want to be a part of a perfect church? You want to be the fly in that ointment? I don't. I mean, maybe when we get raptured out, I'll be a part of that one. But on this earth, I don't necessarily want to be walking around with a bunch of perfect people. Just make me stick out that much more. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, men have faults, but for whatever reason, God has chosen a local church and God calls men to preach. Those of you men in this room that are called to preach, the call to preach is something that is based off of a love and an infatuation with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not based off of your desire to not work a job because you think the ministry is working three hours a week and getting paid full time. I said, you think that's the ministry? Or some kind of recognition because you think somebody's getting some recognition, some big fish in a tiny little pond. The call to preach is your love for Jesus Christ and your infatuation with Him. And out of that thing, then He says, All right, then I want you to go feed people. My sheep, go feed them. You in Acts 20? Look at verse uh, 28. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. A man does not appoint himself to the ministry. I think that actually in most pastors' conferences there should be an invitation, at least one message every time to come resign. Literally. Because I think there's men in the ministry that weren't called of God or put by the Holy Spirit into the ministry. And I think there's lots of them out there nowadays. I think any man that's got character that put himself in the ministry or had his mommy and daddy pressure him to be a preacher. And so his mama called and papa sent because he was playing church when he was a little boy. And so they assumed that man he was called to preach. And they put in his head and put in his head and put in his head and put in his head because they're childish and shallow and immature. Because that's a demonic thing to put somebody in a spiritual position where he's going to draw attention from the devil and the world and everybody else. When God didn't put him there. You can't survive the ministry. You can't do it. Neither can I. Nobody can. You can't survive it. Unless God puts you there. And the purpose of that thing ain't about you. So on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday, it looks like you know, it's public and everybody's giving you their attention. But that's not the reality of the ministry. See, what I am right now, right now what I am, I'm the preacher. And I've had people attend my church for years and all I ever was to them was their preacher. I want to be more than your preacher. I want to be your pastor. And what you've got to understand is those two, those two things are not the same. You can join this church, attend this church, and you can know me for 10 or 15 years, and I'm always just your preacher. And when I was younger, that's all I cared about was being the preacher. And it took God years to wake me up and work on me and mash me down and remold me and shape me and smack me around and wake me up and help me realize people need a pastor. And I can't do it. It's not possible for me to do it. I don't know how to do it. but the Holy Ghost of God does it. Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock. So you've got to pay attention to you and, and to everybody around you. Over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, not lords, not masters, not domineering, chest-pounding, an overseer. To do what? To feed them to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Ephesians chapter 4. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists And some pastors and teachers. Okay, so now he gave that. What did he give it for? For the perfecting of the saints. What's the purpose of church? What's the purpose of me being up here with a Bible open right now? What's the purpose of my outline and my prayer time and my study time? It's to help you. To perfect you. That means you're not perfect. That means the people sitting next to you aren't perfect. And churches that get destroyed and get demonic and get messed up and hurtful are churches that focus on the imperfections of everybody around them. But that's not the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is not focusing on their imperfections. The work of the ministry is continuing to feed them under the leadership of God through the power of the Word of God and giving them what they need for the perfecting process in their life. I told you before we read the text, it takes time. Mamas and daddies, those little ones in the nurseries, I pray that when they go in there, their earliest memories, and I know sometimes they scream and cry and throw in a fit and get separation anxiety, but what we're trying to do from the beginning is make sure that our nursery workers are the right kind of women with the right kind of spirit who can send a comforting, safe, happy message. And as they get a little older and they're still in there, they're looking forward to seeing their friends because I want them to associate coming to church with a good thing. You know what I'm hoping and praying for? If, if the Lord keeps providing, that as soon as we get done with that addition, because we don't want to do anything right now to attract attention, I want to upgrade this playground equipment. I want a big fenced-in area with all the safe stuff down underneath, nice padding, nice new stuff for the kids. Why? Because when they're that little, I want them to look forward to getting here. I want them to know this is a safe, happy place where they can play. And I want some of you older folks that enjoy being here and enjoy the fellowship not to have 80 kids running around screaming their heads off in the building so you can't fellowship and you just cut out of here early. I want... (laughs) That was funny. I want everybody to realize there's a purpose to this place. It's for our growth. It's for our help. For the perfecting of the saints, watch it. For the work of the ministry... For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Folks, that's the work of the ministry. And and people that are interested back to Psalm 111 in the work of God. You know what those people do? They seek it out. So if we're really a people interested in the work of God and we start looking into the Bible and looking into Psalm 111 to learn about the work of God, what we learn is that God's work is to provide us meat, spiritual meat for our souls. And he does that through a local church and that's the purpose of a pastor. See, the preacher's the guy on Sunday that's preaching at you. But the pastor's the guy that, when the sirens are going off, Brother Paul's not here this morning. And I answer the phone, and it's Paul's phone, but it's Miss Patty's voice, and they're in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, and he's having a heart attack. He had a widow maker, but when I get the call, and this biker on the other end of the phone is, Preacher, you got to get to the hospital. Johnny fell, and showing up there at the hospital as he's coming through on the stretcher, and his head's bashed in, all swollen up, his nose on the side of his face, and he's Cut his skull off of his head and put it in the freezer, and his that thing's lapped open like that big old flap of skin lapped open, his brain showing. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. He was in a coma for how long? You remember how long you were in a coma? I think coma about four or five months. Yeah, four or five months. Going in there and standing next to his bed and praying. Now I'm here, Johnny. He'd open up his eyes, and he'd recognize me. He'd look up on the shelf, and there was his Bible, and he'd point to the Bible. He probably didn't even remember this. He couldn't, I don't think. Maybe a little bit here and there. You remember some of it? He would sit and open the Bible and read the Bible to him. And the nurses would walk in, and he'd say, this is my preacher. He'd give you the gospel, the real gospel. Give her the gospel. Grace would come with me and he wouldn't recognize her. He'd stare at her. And then one day, he he always recognized me. He said, Johnny, do you know who this is? That's my preacher. Then one day she laughed. She did her, (laughs) the specific (laughs) giggle that she gets when she gets all warm and fuzzy. And he looked at me and he goes, I know that laugh. (laughs) That's my preacher's wife. (laughs) That's the ministry. That's pastoring. Something put in his heart that was God. It was the word of God. That in a moment like that, and he doesn't even know his own name. He remembers that book. That's meat for the soul, folks. That no matter what 2024 brings you, every one of you need it. Every one of you need it. And every one of your kids needs it. And every one of your family members needs it. And all your lost friends and coworkers need it. It's what God provides. That's what a local church is. I don't care what you're getting in this day and age. You understand? By the grace of God, I'm not changing. I've figure figured it out. I've figured it out. I've figured it out. I don't know it all. I've figured one thing out. I know what matters in life. And that book matters. It's the meat of God's work. Something else, notice the mind of God's work. Look at verse 5. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. Look at verse 8. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. You know what the mind of God's work is? It's truth. The meat of God's work is the Bible, the mind of God's work is the truth. You know what we're supposed to have? The mind of Christ. You know what's hard to do? It's hard to have the mind of Christ. You know, you can't stop going to Starbucks. But you can't stand the people that work there. Yeah, I have a hard time. Especially with some little flamers staring at me too long. I don't know what he's thinking but I don't like it. You know what the mind of Christ says? The mind of Christ says, here, bud, can I give you an invitation to church? This will tell you what the Bible says about going to heaven when you die. You know what the mind of Mike says? What are you looking at, boy? The mind of Christ is truth. I want you to be a people, I believe you are, but I want you to be a people that love the truth. The mind of the truth is the mind of Christ. You know what's funny about the Lord's mind? He knows what he's thinking. He knows what he's talking about. He's got the right thoughts. In Psalm thirty-three, eleven, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of, the, of his heart to all generations. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read these to you because I've got to wrap up. The mind of Christ, the mind of God's work. You know what they say? Well, the Bible's not, we're just trying to be relevant. The Bible's not relevant. The Bible's not relevant. Why do they get offended when they listen to my preaching? It must have got right in your personal current business. You know what his counsel does? The thoughts of his heart to all generations. You know what that means? God's thinking about you. Suffer the little children to come on to me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. God's thinking about those kids. You know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to have the mind of a human. You know what the mind of a human will do? They're little brats always running through church and you never restrain them. We had kids downstairs not long ago playing with the water. Water thing down there. Brother D put a sign up. you guys see a sign? You should go read his sign. Get that water out of the thing and make it overflow we'll pour it on the floor. <gasps> now listen, I don't think your kids should tear the place up, Okay. Do do try to keep an eye on them and all that stuff. But hang on a second. The bigger issue is this. Y'all are gonna be after me like, was well, it my kid? Was well, it my kid? I ain't telling. I'm a, I'm not I'm not a grandpa, but I just ain't telling. I'm gonna go into full on grandpa mode. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know what the human mind says? They just need to spank their kids. The human mind might even be right. They might be lousy parents. What good are you going to do running them off? If it's that much of an issue, we'll take care of it sooner or later. Don't worry about it. That's on my radar. I'll figure it out. But listen, how are they going to get helped and become better parents if you run them off? I mean, if somebody's phone goes off in church. (laughs) 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 I... It's all right, Johnny. Just, just find it. I love you anyways. If it's the Lord, I'll take it. Anybody else, tell him I'm busy. I learned a lesson. It was a note-to-self moment years ago. A preacher got in the pulpit and just railed on somebody for not shutting their ringer off when it went off in church. And his phone was here in the pulpit. In that same message, his phone went off. And I said, no, I'm not stupid, but I learned. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not smart, but I learn. See, I am stupid. I'm not smart, but I learn. Like, note to self, don't ever do that. The Lord will ring your bell. So I'm just talking about the mind of Christ, right? Okay, so those kids are going to be a lot better off if you run them out of your church. Those parents are going to be much better parents if we run them out from Bible preaching. You see what I'm saying? Their little brat bit my little brat in the nursery. Their little demon bit my angel. Well, I know, I know. And then when they come to me, your little demon bit their angel. But the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ is like, I, I want to help every generation. I got thoughts to all of them. You people realize we had a messed up generation. Church, we have never seen it worse. My wife and I were talking about it on the way here. and I, don't, I wouldn't want to be a 20-year-old young man right now. I cannot stand what social media and the internet has done to our young girls. And how bad it's messing our young men up. Even good men that are trying to serve God are dealing with stuff that didn't deal with 20 and 30 years ago. Not on that level. You know what God's thoughts are? To this generation. We're up against it. You know what we need more than ever? The work of God. We need the work of God in our lives, and He knows how to help us. Psalm 139 17 says, How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God? How great is the sum of them. <laughs> how precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God? How great is the sum of them. You mean God thinks about you? You you mean God cares about somebody laying in a hospital bed with cancer. And God cares about her husband and her sick four-year-old. And her son and daughter-in-law. The burden they're carrying. God cares about them. You care about God? Do you love God? Well, if God cares about them, then what are we supposed to do? What you're doing. I'm not preaching at you. But it's powerful. I'm telling you, it's powerful to have the right kind of a mind. To rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's the mind of Christ. You know what drives me crazy? drives me crazy watching people and working with people. Because after a while, you get patterns. You pick up on patterns. I I won't take the time to explain it to you because I'm almost done. And you'll look at a pattern and you'll say, you'll see a previous pattern and then you'll watch somebody else and you'll say, oh great, forget it. Seen this before. But the Lord's mind is not our mind. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And my ways, from my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the mind of God's work is he's thinking about everyone. He's thinking about every generation. He has a great sum to all of his thoughts towards every individual here. He's trying to work on every individual here, feed every individual here. And he's like, the way I work, you can't figure out. And the way I operate, you can't figure out. And the way I think, you can't figure out. Because to me, it, I wouldn't figure it out. I, I'll say this carefully. Both of the men whose wives have bad cancer right now in our church have both said, preacher, my wife is so much of a better person than I am. I don't understand why she has it and not me. And they're talking about their past before the Lord and all the rest of that stuff. I deserve it and she doesn't. You, I can't wrap my mind around God's ways. And I can't wrap my mind around his thoughts. He don't operate how we operate. I've seen this before. You better slow down. Because just because you've seen that before doesn't mean it won't work out for this individual that God won't get this person through or that God doesn't have some plans with that individual. The mind of God's work is higher than us. You know why it's important for you just to keep coming to church and stay faithful and wait on God and leave people alone and love one another and let God deal with them and keep coming and keep getting fed and keep trying to think the way He thinks and look the way He looks and operate the way He operates and keep His hand off His people and off His work. His desire is not for you and I to beat His people. His desire is that we get fed and love one another and band together and walk with each other and walk with the Lord and love Him more and love each other more and band together and walk with the Lord one week, one month one year after the next year after the next year after the next year that's why I've never tried to overload you with work that's why we rotate the cleaning schedule and the Sunday school schedule and the nursery schedule and we don't have a meeting every couple of months and why I don't want to wear you out I want you to keep coming and I want you to be happy and have the energy to come and I want you to still have time to take your wife on a date and your kids to the park While you faithfully keep coming. Because over the long haul, the way God works is long, slow, and steady. That's just how he grows oak trees. And I want this place to be an oak tree, not an evergreen. The mind of God's work. I'm almost done here. My last point I want you to see. The might of God's work. Look at verse 6. He hath showed his people the power of his works. That he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He set redemption unto his people and he hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. That's why I don't like being called reverend. I ain't a reverend. He's reverend. The might of His work. You guys realize God's work is a powerful work. I wouldn't mess with it. It Scares me half to death to stand before God and have Him say, I told you to feed Him and pastor Him and oversee Him. I never told you to. I did overstep, sir, didn't I? Now, if I'm going to do that as the pastor, don't you think all of us should? Because God's work is a powerful work. He's doing something amazing. I'm not guaranteeing you that if you keep your kids in Sunday schools and raise them in church, they won't wander off. But I'm saying this. If you've planted the meat of the word of God and the mind of Christ in them, that's a powerful thing for them to escape. So while they're in the far country, you get on your face and you pray the Holy Spirit of God will aggravate all that truth that's been put in them and just bother them until they get right with God. Because the work of God is a powerful thing. He hath showed his people the power of his works. Here's what's interesting. That he might give them the heritage of the heathen. Do you know whose territory you're occupying? It's the devils. Who's the god of this world? You folks are occupying enemy territory. He said, occupy till I come. You're occupying enemy territory. 52-909-10-Mile, God's given us a little heritage of the enemy's possession. My address, my home, God's given me a little heritage of the enemy's possession. He's the God of this world right now, ain't He? Jesus ain't ruling on that throne. Right now you're getting the heritage of the heathen. I'm trying to tell you God can provide for you in this sinful world. In a world constantly against you, he can provide for you and he can provide for this church. And I believe he will. I think he shows his power. I don't think we have any billionaires in our church. If we do, you're doing a great job of staying humble and staying low-key. We appreciate it. Just start tithing, please, because we'd know if you were. <laughs> you know what we are? We're just average folks. Some a little below average, some a little above average. But we're pretty much just average people. You know what God can do for us? He can provide us a heritage for the heathen. He could get that thing done this year. I'm not telling you He will. I'm saying if He will, He can. And if He doesn't will, He knows why He's stopping us. I don't know what's going to happen. I do know this. I got a powerful God. And I know His works and His word and His mind are so powerful, it can even change me. So, my message for you this morning is quite simple. You love the work of God? I love our church. I'm sorry it's not more of a dramatic and vision casting and fired up message, but I'm actually getting a little bit more nostalgic as time goes on. I don't know if it's just the kids growing up and marriage coming or what it is, but it's been 16 years of ups and downs and heartbreaks and joys and excitement and disappointment. And it means something to me. You know what Jesus Christ said? I will build my church. And then he said, just feed them. Just give them the meat of the word. Give them the mind of their creator and the mind of their savior. And watch my might do what only I can do. I have watched some of you change. From genuine, real change. I don't have the liberty, but man, if I could get up here and start telling everybody's stories to the rest of this church, some of you just like drop out of your seat to know the backgrounds of some people around here. Impossible cases. There's people sitting in these pews serving God that should be dead. I've done multiple funerals for people that were on the same track they were on, and instead, God, the power of God's changed their life for good. That's the might of the work of God. He said, I'll build it. You know why we make much of the Bible around here and much of Jesus Christ? Because he can change you. And when he changes you, it's real and it's strong and it's steady and it's satisfying and it's just wonderful and full of joy with no regrets. It's the greatest life you could ever live is a life devoted to Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to turn you all into preachers. I'm not trying to turn you all into Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm trying to turn you all into people that faithfully want more of God. From wherever you're at, why don't you ask God for a little more and allow His work to be done in your life? That's what this thing's all about to me. And if He wants to add to us, then praise the Lord. And if He doesn't, I want to faithfully feed what He's given me to feed and give you His mind and watch Him do His work in you. To me, that's more powerful than building a building. It's to watch Him change you. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So my vision for this coming year? More of the same. Yes, I kind of would like to do a VBS this year for the kids. I'm not saying we're going to yet. I'm thinking that we probably will. Yes, I'd kind of like to do a Christmas program this coming year with the kids. Yes, we're planning on doing the youth conference and our church is at a stage where we're ready to start doing some more of these things. But no, that's not my vision for this church. My vision for this church is for God to get a hold of the hearts of our young people and for God to get a hold of some of your hearts More than he already has it. And for you to grow and know a little bit more about Jesus Christ at the end of this year than you do right now. My vision for this church is the work of God to continue. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.